right, it's uh, Still Sober with John Rabin. And the kitty is rubbing up against uh, cables. The microphone, even though she doesn't know what a microphone is, but apparently she does because she's... Uh, I don't know if it's because I'm talking at it that she senses that I'm giving the microphone attention instead of petting her, which I am petting her, but it's like, yeah, but you're not really getting into it. I don't know. I don't know what her deal is. Um, this is uh, episode slash entry 10.25. That's uh, week 25, year 10 of my uh, sobriety time. And I hope you're uh, doing all right. If you're a sober person, hope you're staying sober. If you're not a sober person, hope you're staying sane. Let me get it out of the way. My prediction um, for the Super Bowl um, was fine till uh, somewhere in the second quarter where uh, Jalen Hurts uh, somehow fumbled the ball, uh, giving them a boost, which because it was 14-7 and they were driving, it was about to be 21-7. And it was going to be emotionally draining for the Kansas City Chiefs. They probably would have gotten a field goal after that, and then the Eagles would have drained time and either scored a field goal or uh, or a touchdown. So at half, it would have been 28 to 10 or 24 to 10. And then when the Eagles peter out the second half, it wouldn't have mattered as much, uh, which was kind of what I was thinking. I, I mean, that's my prediction was if they didn't fuck up, they didn't make any mistakes. Then the Eagles were going to kick the shit out of uh, the Chiefs, and it wouldn't have been a close game. But um, but I was pleasantly surprised that it was a it was a great game right in, until the end. So um, my favorite part of the whole Super Bowl was watching a hip hop icon around the same age as me, get to the point where he wanted stylish, comfortable shoes for old men. And that's uh, Snoop Dogg promoting um, Skechers slip-ons. And I wear Skechers because they're, they're comfortable goddamn shoes at work. So I may have to buy some even though they are slightly kind of like, are you trying to be cool? Hey, you know what? We were cool. We're just, Gen X is just old now. We've hit 50 and we need comfortable shoes and we don't want to wear shoes that look like orthopedic motherfuckers. Let us have a little bit of style. Kids can laugh all they want, but we're going to feel better about it. And that's what I'm excited for. I'm excited for things like AARP level things, but with style because we as a generation can't admit that we're old. Or at least that we can't, we're not comfortable with being old um, by, you know, doing the same things that we're not our parents. We're pretending, right? That's, that's the whole idea. So I was, 
So I'm, you know, I'll I'll keep you posted on that. I uh, speaking of old, but uh, like flashing back to the '90s, my uh, my wife and I decided to um, celebrate Valentine's Day on the 13th. We've decided this is what this is our new tradition. We're going to celebrate Valentine's Day on the 13th because we're adults. We can do whatever the fuck we want. We do it on the 13th. And then on the 14th, my wife can then participate in Galentine's Day celebrations, which are way more fun than Valentine's Day celebrations. So she can go do that. And, and then I can do fuck all, which is what I want to do on Valentine's Day. Not a goddamn thing. So that's what we decided to do. And, um, and it went well, and it was obligatory. We, neither one of us were excited about it, but I got her a really cool orchid um, in a uh, little glass uh, vase and candy. I mean, because, you know, obligatory, but both things that she liked. And she got me a gold chain. She's been trying to get me a chain this whole time and finally got one. She goes, the 90s are coming back, so I thought you could wear this chain. And I put it on. I'm like, eh, what do you think? And she goes, you look good in it. So I've got a chain. I haven't worn a chain since uh, my, you know, I play varsity football days. So it's um, taking it back to 92, 93. It's like a 30-year throwback. But apparently, I got compliments at work, which is weird. So I accept them, and that's where I'm at. I'm a chain guy now. Hooray. So I got asked about... addiction about some of my uh, self-destruction and heroin addiction and uh, uh, which I'm I'm always fine I'm always fine with uh, when people want to ask by the way the number one question I always get when they found out that I was a heroin addict is when they honestly you know I'm like yeah you can ask me anything and they're and they're like what's it like <laughs> That's <laughs> like the number one because it's because there's still even with um, even though like the opioid crisis has moved on to a, a, a next level of uh, scary with fentanyl, like heroin is still kind of a bogeyman kind of a thing. It's it's one of those things that like a lot of people don't fall into that level. They may play around with coke. And, um, you know, lots of weed and, you know, hash and uh, mushrooms and acid and molly and, you know, prescription medication and all the times of stuff. But it's like that, you know, the next level shit, you know, they, they tend to, it's like, and there's, there's no sexy allure to crack Thanks to marketing, I guess, um, the history of it. 
but there's that some kind of that there's that thing about heroin. I was like, boy, you know, about because of uh, how traumatic that addiction is when somebody becomes an addict. And the, you know, back in the back of your mind, you think, wow, it must be so good. It's hard to quit. And uh, and that's the thing is that when they ask me, they're like, what's heroin like? I'm like, oh, it's great. I mean, yeah. If you're a downers guy, it's the best. The whole thing is that, and then it turns into being the worst because it's never as good as it is the first few times you do it. You're always chasing it. You're always trying to get back to that that same high for a while. And then, well, and then you get to a point where it's just your, it's just about maintenance and it's just about um, not wanting to feel normal afterwards and that sort of thing. So, um, but talking about it and I described it, that heroin addiction, this, my, my description of heroin addiction is like, um, especially if I'm talking to a guy, is it's like it's like masturbation right that if you imagine that if you didn't jerk off after about 12 hours or somewhere between 8 to 12 hours you start getting sick to your stomach you start sweating you start getting headaches and it starts and it gets worse and worse and worse until you actually masturbate. And of course that, you know, and then that the way that ends, it feels good. Right. Except that every time you masturbate, it costs you $10, but you have to do it every six to 12 hours or you get sick. But it, every time it costs you, let's say, you know, of course, Let's let's say with inflation, let's say it costs you $20 every time. And every time you do it, you know that it's not healthy and that it's slowly killing you. That's basically it. That's a that's a nice way of with the urges that you get and also the knowledge of you getting sick. It's a hell of a position to be in. Um, but what it really got me, it, but it also got me thinking about the mindset about afterwards. And this is after you go through withdrawals after, you know, in, in your recovery, um, phase when you have to deal with, when you get past your first 30 to 60 days of sobriety and you feel in really good for the first time. And then you come down from the pink cloud and you're just living, you know, life. And, and that's the whole thing about life is, you know, they say that it's short, but you're sitting there and you're going, really? Cause to me, life is every fucking day. It's just, ah. And, and you haven't quite shaken the whole that's by the way that's the, that's the importance of a legit rehab 
which no one can afford except for rich kids who don't really want to get sober. They just get put there by their rich parents. Uh, and also um, federal convicts who um, are typically are drug dealers that are were also users. So it's it's one of these things where they can, you know, get treatment and they get a reduced sentence. So federal dollars pay for their that's that's what rehab is. It's full of um, um, federal prisoners and rich kids. It's a hell of a mix. But if you're able to get into one, if you're able able to acquire funding and get into one, get into one that's 90 days because that is the important part. It is the that is such a good important part to be in a controlled environment, be thinking about recovery and working on uh, cognitive behavioral therapy or REBT or whatever type of recovery program um, where you're trying to, because it, you have to develop new habits and it takes anywhere from 45 to 60 days to start really developing a new habit, doing it every day and developing new, um, new patterns of behavior. And so you take 90 days. So 90 days of controlled, um, where it's like, usually it's, it's like half of it. You don't get to leave half of it. You have to stay, um, in treatment. And then like usually the second half, whether it be 45 or 30 days of that is you spend the night at the, rehab but you go out during the day like looking for employment going to the library doing doing productive stuff that's the whole uh, thing but that time is important because it establishes a base and gets you through the hard time because that's the, that that man that six I don't know what and it's for a lot of people I don't know if it's for everybody but uh, for me especially, that whole um, 45 to 90 day window is crucial because I, I was sober 30 days multiple times. I could hit 30 days clean, easy. I did that several times. 45 days, did that a few times. I think I hit 60 days uh, once. Never reached 90 until the final time that, you know, that I've, that's led up till now. It's just, um, I don't know. It's just, it's, it's, it's your brain. It's a mental state. It all, it always is. And it's, it reminds me of how, all right, it's in your head. It's all in your head. So you have to fit, you have to do the research and do the work to figure out what, um, what processes, what kind of tricks, what kind of things that you need to do work for you? Because the whole idea of recovery, especially in that first year, 
and then and then it keeps building on into the next year and the next. You just you know it's that that stupid ass cliche that they always say, which is one day at a time. It is one day at a time because you don't want to fucking freak out by looking. He's like, God damn, I have to do this the rest of my life. You don't think of it that way. It's all about when you're freaking out and when you're just kind of like either you're bored or you're just your internal monologue is real loud and, and you're trying to figure out and you got, you want to make it quiet. You want to, you want to make it stop. It's like, how do you get through to where that temporary insanity goes away? Cause it does. You're not like that the whole day. You're not like that the whole time. There's just moments that you got to get through. And it is, it's all in your head. It's a lot like, it's weird because we think in terms of when we're dealing with addiction and recovery, we think that we're different from the normies, the people who don't have addictive personalities or whatever. And and it's like, they're so much different than us. I don't think they are, man. I think that, yes, we have a problem with substance abuse, but there's a lot of people out there who aren't technically alcoholics or addicts, but they've got the same self-destructive patterns. They're, they're still dealing with their own dysfunction because at the core, and I've said this multiple times, it's all about treat. It's all about, you know, mental health and therapy dealing with why you do the things that you do, you know, because people deal because we're all humans and we all deal with the same kind of issues. And just some of us are self-destructive in, in some ways. And, and, you know, people like you and me, we like substances. It's what we, you know, it's what we like. So it's, and you can tell, and, and and it's all mental. It's, you know, I mean, just look at look at dumb shit like um, that people are obsessed with when they're, you know, people are obsessed with the news. I talk about this a lot. You you guys are almost tired of, uh, you know, and then, by the way, I appreciate your patience when I bring up things that I've talked about before. Because honestly, after I post this and then next, the next week, I don't remember what I talked about. It's, uh, you know. I try to change things up, but let's, let's be frank. I know that when I say something, I know that I've said it before, but I can't tell you how long ago. Last week we talked about the blah, blah, blah. Well, I didn't write that down. I didn't write down what we talked about last week. So fuck if I know what we talked about last week. Uh, clean slate. I am, um, my memory is shit, apparently. Also, I'm talking, also, I talk about my ass. So it's just kind of like, uh, blah, 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 blah. See you next week. And then next week comes and I'm like, hey, <laughs> uh, talked about something. Yeah. And I just, just a big old shrug. But you see people online. People talk a big game online. They're cowards. Most people are. They're very tough online. Not so much in person, 
But even if they, let's say, you know, let's say they're not cowards in person. You don't, you rarely walk into a convenience store or work or grocery store or a retail outlet or the park or et cetera, et cetera. And you're interacting with people. They seem fine. You don't walk up to some random stranger and they go, can you believe what the fuck Biden's doing to this country? Or can you believe what the fuck Trump is doing to this country? And it's always, you know, it's, it's like you, you get crazy about things that you're reading and, and you're like, oh my God, this country's going to shit. When in fact, on a national level, whatever people in Washington are doing isn't really affecting you specifically. Local elections are actually having more of an effect on you directly, and we don't vote in those. We vote in the national ones because this is what humans do. But it, but it's that mental state. It's why you see people freak out when their party when a member of another party is president and it's like, it's the end of the world. And then as soon as their party is elected in and nothing's really changed, it's just the, it's just a different person talking. They're kind of, and they're relaxed and like, ah, see, things are better. Except that nothing's changed. I mean, little things are going on, but just things that you read that don't affect you directly. But it's that mental state where people freak out. They're either happy and comfortable and everything's fine or they're pissed off because their team is winnings or losing. And it's all in their head. It's all in our heads because you go out there in the real world and you're interacting with people and we're just trying to live our lives and go through it and do stuff. And it's, it's because it's the freak out and the stuff that, you know, because you're reading. And I'm not saying that that shit's not important. It's not important to me. But I'm not saying that that's not important. What I'm saying is it's that mental state. It's the same thing with in, reco in recovery and sobriety. When you're freaking out in the moment that you think the world's ending because you can't your mind won't shut up and you can't sit still and you just want to drink or you just want to get high. And you're like, man, this sucks. I don't like being sober. I don't like what's going on in my head. And it's so it's it, the whole key is to find what works for you to get you through that temporary insanity that you're going through to get to the other side. And, I, and like I said, I don't think that that's just necessarily for people in recovery. I think that that's for a lot of people. It's it's finding out, you know, the self-talk. Do you, can you do the, can you, can you breathe and sit there and, you know, through practice, can you take the time to sit there, let the crazy write itself out while you're talking to yourself so that you don't do anything because you're, you're feeling a certain way because of the thoughts that you're having. And can you avoid acting on those feelings by reflecting on the thoughts that you're having and realizing that they are thoughts. They're just thoughts. They're not real. They're just in your head. And can you quell the feeling that you're having based on the thoughts?
before you act on them. That's that's all you're doing. And that's what therapy is supposed to help you do. Therapy is not just something. It's not a, it's not, it's not like a paid friend that just allows you to lie to them. Like a lot of people do, they just use a therapist so that they can lie to them about, you know, what prescription medications they're abusing and uh, to pretend like things are okay and that they're making progress, even though they're not doing anything. It's supposed to be there to help you work through your bullshit. So when you have moments, you can get through them and continue to do your, do your fucking thing. Right. So. So that's what I was, uh, I don't know. I was thinking about it. It's, uh, it's all it is, man. It's just a mental state. And you just gotta, just gotta write it out. I've said this, you know, I know every, every week I say, uh, still sober pod, still sober pod, P-O-D at gmail.com. And I always say for questions or comments that are positive to neutral. Um, what I also mean by that is if you have anything, any, like when I say questions, I do mean like, do you have any questions for me? Have you ever had something where, you know, that just, uh, or a topic that you want me to ramble about? Cause I will just kind of every week I'll just come up with, I will have something. And I may, you know, it may be uh, repeat info, but I mean, come on. I've been doing this podcast for, shit, how many years have I been doing this podcast? A while. Several years. And I'm going to keep doing it because as I've mentioned before, I'm kind of doing it more for me than you. But I'm, I am uh, thankful that... um, you get something out of it and uh, that the same people every week you spend half an hour, just, just under half an hour with me. So if you have anything you do want to talk about, by all means, still soberpod at gmail.com. Hang in there. Take care of yourself. Take care of your uh, friends and your family. And uh, we'll see you next week. All right. Later. Come back down to earth again The cold is creeping deep inside Disconnect the telephone line